0: But I will never get to a point where I say something out of line because I'm I don't go so far into the emotion that I say something that tomorrow I have to apologize for. Never. And if Evan says something, I actually will stop and go. Okay, hold on. I know you're upset, but you just said I'm this, so you want to you want to take the opportunity to like take that off the table and continue? or You're going to double down because if you double down on it, cool. But when you're done. I'm going like, to have an issue. So I'm yeah. giving you a chance to to like, to like do the inventory and say, is that an emotional statement or an actual statement? If you actually think I'm this, well, then we can't be friends anymore.
1: This
2: is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. everybody out there listening in way of the artist world way of the artist lands that's not a thing but you know sometimes it is now <laughs> and it is now apparently um, so today really excited to have uh, have an old friend on the show who's also um, just an awesome dude in addition to being a super talented guy with tons of experience his name is Mark Anthony Messiah He is an actor of 18 years plus now. Uh, He's also a teacher and coach. He plays Marty on the HBO Canada series You, Me, Her. uh, In addition to appearing on a bunch of other stuff that you have heard of and seen, like Bates Motel, Once Upon a Time, Arrow, Fringe, The A-Team. You can go on IMDb (laughs) (laughs) him and see his... The the smorgasbord of experience this guy has had, uh, we're happy to to have him on
0: the show, Mark Anthony. Thanks for hey, coming. Thank you. Thank you for calling me and having me, or texting me or however that works in the new era. Yeah, <laughs> and it's I think it's this is one of those conversations that I think between the three of us is a long time coming. Um, I think we've all been friends for double digit years <laughs> together, but have never actually sat and spoken in this sort of context so that's really dope and um yeah i'm excited
2: yeah it's kind of like one of those things where it's like we've been in each other's atmosphere for such a long time and it's it's always good whenever there's an interaction but you know life being the way it is everyone's going on their different paths and and doing Mm. what they got to do so um i mean let's just let's just ease into this conversation you know like uh with how like how have you been uh how have you been managing and coping with uh everything that's going on from, from covid to protests uh, to lockdowns to what's going so, on
0: well I'll, I'll, let's let's sort of unpack that in the order of events so uh march you know rolls around i'm in mexico having the time of my life at a 120 person wedding then i get back and immediately the world is on fire and we're not allowed to go anywhere and and do anything. Um, I think that I am lucky, if I can use that term, that I'm very adaptable in things. So if I'm in a social setting, I'm having enough time of my life. And if I'm by myself, I can also find ways to not have the walls close in on me too, too much. Um, So I, I consider myself lucky during the you know the coronavirus, uh, that it, I didn't suffer what I've I've heard and seen a lot of people suffering that sort of isolation. Um, because I always I always looked at it in terms of like the isolation is not about isolating, it's about protecting. It's about I don't I don't feel I'm in the demographic that's going to get sick and die, but it be the, it then became my duty to make sure that I don't go outside and put someone else in a in a in a bad situation. So. Keeping a keeping a spin on it in that way kept me from thinking, I am the only one going through this, and it mm-hmm. became more about what can I do to make sure I don't hurt someone. Oh, stay home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean. And so, and so it just became more of a mission than uh, 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 an oppression, sort of so to speak. Yeah, um, a way of that, being of service. Yeah, you know, and it, it it it. I mean, I have a PlayStation. I have internet. <laughs> at Netflix, so there's a there's a there's a plot. I, I started writing, and I have a whole bunch of ideas for you know what the new world acting wise will look like, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but then you know you slide the the scale forward a couple of weeks, and then politically the world goes to hell. And well, depending on what side of the, the fence you are on that, um, and that was a little bit more difficult for me because. Uh, you know as a black male in the world you 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 feel like sometimes you're screaming in a glass box and people can see it some people will have sympathy or empathy they can't really hear what you're saying but they know something's wrong Hmm. and it just feels like in the last couple of months that that glass box just went and suddenly everybody can hear you. And now you've got to be really careful what you say, but you have a lot to say. and Most of it is rooted in anger and hurt, mm-hmm. but you try to get your point across. And it's a really good point. You know what I mean? So, so that's, and so I'm not a person who's anxious at all. Um, I'm aware of it when it is, when it does happen, but I'm not an anxious person by nature, but I did find a lot of anxiety in the, um, Sort of in the. For me, it's more about the people who are close to me who didn't seem to understand what the problem was, and that was hard because these are close friends that I love and 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 have told them my stories on occasion over beer and stuff. And there's still there's still some that are like, well, I just don't get what the issue is. I don't. I don't. And so there's. So it's like, do I hate you or do I hate your lack of like knowledge on the subject like where like and so that gave me a little bit of anxiety um yeah and i think that sort of brings me to right now which is this what next i think i'm in this perpetual state of what's next like what happens i'm i just to touch lastly on that sort of political the racial tension that's going on in the world um for me i love all the changes that are happening but at the end of the day i'm going to be really honest I don't care what the changes are. Today, I want to see them in 4 years. Yeah. Like if if all this this motivation and support and hashtag stuff is still here in 4 years, then uh, then you I'm sold, right? But I think coronavirus, everyone being at home, having nothing else to do, and then you drop a video like that in everyone's lap, this this was bound to happen but I think if everyone was at work as a regular day, it would have just been another like, no, oh, well that's a tragedy. Some people would have marched and that would have been the end of that. So that's
3: yeah,
1: kind of what- there's a, uh, so it's kind of like, um, I mean, our, our ignorance as a culture, as a society is distraction. I think that actually pairs not just to this issue, but to so many things like we're constantly distracted all the time and mm-hmm. Corona has definitely, I mean, I think it's made the world present. We, we talked mm. about this before, actually, in previous conversations. I, I'm curious. You said in four years, like, I'd like to see a difference in four years. What would that look like? Like, how do we, like, what's a vision? Can you, like, help us see that so we could, like, you know, maybe yeah. that's something that people need to understand. I mean, maybe and we I don't.
0: Think, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. I think it's, it's it's you know, Spike Lee talks about this a lot uh, Killer Mike, who I talked to on on Instagram, which is really weird because he's super famous and he responds, which is super. <laughs> weird. Um, like, I, I messaged him once about gun rights, and he was like, "No, I don't think you should." I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like "Oh god!" <laughs> we had like a half hour conversation about why, like, why, it's, why the NRA is for. And that's a whole other thing. But I was just like, "What in the hell?" But to be honest, uh, Brandon, if I were to if I were to say what the vision looks like, it's literally. It's not that complicated. It's just, give me my piece of the pie without a fight. I don't care how big or small it is, as long as it's an equal piece of the pie in all things. You know what I mean? Keeping it, keeping it acting related, you know, representation in, in film and stage and, and radio. You know, I, I, one of the problems I had back in the day, I was going out for a series of unfortunate events uh, no, not a for first events. Let me snick it in the something something lollipop back. I don't know what the, it was, some old timey uh, show. And um, I was supposed to pay a, a guy from the broadcast news. So, like all good actors, I go to do my research, but there is not one reference of a black man in that era on the news. So, there's no one that I can research because if i were to talk like howard Kosau today in the news uh Evan Schulte, he was found to dead by his, like that doesn't make sense coming out of this face mm. but that's the yeah. only point of reference because if you go f- too far back in history in terms of like flashbacks or period pieces i don't exist you yeah. know there's only one role for me past a certain a certain amount of years so, so moving forward you Know, I like to see a TV show where the lead is an Asian guy and a white girl, and that's the love. And, and it's not about them being Asian and white, and his family isn't the Asian family but doesn't understand the white family, it's just mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. really good point.
2: Yeah, exactly. it's a good point. Yeah, it's like it's, I mean, this is something that you know, Brandon and I have. I don't know if we've necessarily discussed it on the podcast, but definitely. Like between the two of us, we've had this discussion, which is like, you know, especially when it comes to, um, you know, diverse representation in film and media, it's like, sometimes when it happens, it's like, we're like, why is it always this story, though? Why is it always a story about you know, being Asian or being black or being, you know, why is it? Sp- and it's so often it's a biography. It's a biopic or something like
0: that. Yeah. right? Like, and oh, I and, can't- and to, 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 to piggyback that, I don't mind those stories. I don't mind oh. you telling me the this person's story, but what about my next door neighbor who's Hindu married to a Chinese lady? Where, that's yeah. real. It's downstairs. They live downstairs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's right below me. Yeah. So where's that sitcom? You know, totally.
2: So and, and like, why can't we just tell that story? And like, it's, it's always, sometimes it's a thing where it's like these movies are, or these, these shows are about, it's like, it's like the race comes first. And then it's this story as opposed to just like, why don't we just tell the story and they happen to be, you know, 100%. they happen to be this. Yeah.
0: But this lends itself to the power of art And I will always say this, we as artists, whether it be art, uh, picture, drawing, music, film stage, we control the narrative. We are, however, controlled by companies. And what I mean by that is artists influence the way people think. Rappers influence the way that people close. Models inf- influence the way people will eat and diet and work out. Uh, music inspires people to do all this stuff. Now, the problem we have is we are paid by a bunch of people who want to sell this thing to another bunch of people. So instead of going, hey, let's take a dip in our income for a bit, push this narrative, which is for everybody, We'll lose some of the closed-minded people, but eventually we will get all these open-minded people on board. They don't do that. They go, "Well, this is an easy sell." Let's put like so. I was explaining to my girl the other day. I said, "When you look at television, I don't have cable anymore because I like, can't stand it." But uh, <laughs> when you look at like prime, <laughs> you look at prime time cable, you have most shows between like eight o'clock and like nine thirty is a fat dopey guy and his really hot wife. And that's because the demographic they're selling to is the guy who's sitting on his couch, just came back from his whatever job, huffing and puffing, sees himself in that guy, his wife's on the side, and he's like, yeah, I could get myself a hot lady like that. And she's on the other side saying, I see myself in her and you're an idiot like him because that's who they're selling it to. It's just an easy spoon fed sort of exchange. Yeah. Um, and I think people have to be braver in their in the in the work that they put in the projects that they put out knowing they're going to take a hit because people are accustomed to a certain thing until we the artists force them to see often enough other things that then normalize it becomes normalized whatever normal means but it normalizes it it's not An episode where there's a first woman to woman kiss on an episode. Hmm. But I live in the West End. That's all I see. We talk about (laughs) that's not new, right? Yeah. So I think that's where the onus, the battle becomes what we are. We as artists really want to portray, and what the companies that pay us are the the hit that they're willing to take in the wallet.
2: Well, I mean, they're definitely always behind, and once they see that, like, oh, there is money to be made in this then they'll do it like we can see like just the the bevy of like female lead driven shows and movies coming out and it's wonderful at the same time though it's like sometimes i just go like did we need ocean's 8 like
0: <laughs> in some- and, that, and there it is yeah that's <laughs> an interesting point because but that's the problem because it's so it's uh, the queen doth protest too much so, because they don't do it enough, when they finally do do it, they literally ram it down your throat for mm. two reasons. One, they get to say, "We did it, ta-da! Give us our cookie." And yeah. On the other side, when you complain, they get to go, uh uh-uh, uh, we gave you Oceans Eight. Shut the fuck up." Yeah. yeah. You, don't yeah. To, you don't get to. You We get. We put Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of Sports Chichel- Illustrated. We are progressive.
3: Mm.
0: And you're like, right, "Okay, thank you," but like, really? That's yeah. That's, And that goes back to the piece of the pie that I was talking about in the beginning, where when you start giving people an equal exchange, those things stop becoming these like martyrdom and landmark occurrences, and they just are what they are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
2: I want to touch on something that that you just brought up a little while earlier, because it's about, you know, artists are there to very often like to inform and to push boundaries and things and and oftentimes within the business those things get compromised but yeah. something i've i've always felt is in all the conversations that brand and i have had together and talking with other artists which is that like for me the artist is has to have one foot in and one foot out and essentially it's like there's one foot out of outside of sort of our societal, you know, status quos and things like that. Mm-hmm. So is there, there can be an objective, but it's also, you have to be in that space in order to access the transcendent, which is the things that push society forward, mm-hmm. is, and, but having to also have that one foot in still so that you're not completely removed and detached and, and nobody can access you.
0: Right. I, I like to, I like to, I wish I was at his stuff, but I like to sort of, well, not sort of, I like to look at Dave Chappelle as an example of that. Because Dave Chappelle came out, does his comedy unapologetically. If he makes a joke that offends, he will stand by his context, but apologize hurting you but not apologize for making the joke then when the industry got a little too hot and heavy and the 50 million dollars and or whatever it was and he's like you know what i'm out of here i'm done and now dave chappelle will go do shows in seattle with a microphone in a box in a park because that's how he wants to, to he, uh, he's not beholden to some company now we in the trenches unfortunately uh, we don't necessarily have that power or the, the bank account to sustain that sort of independence. But I do think we are in control of certain roles that we do or don't take, right? I won't mm-hmm. take the role of a rapist without the story, A, justifying, justifying it, or that action has its counter reaction by the protagonist so if i assault someone like that it can't just be some gratuitous i need to blow up in a truck mm-hmm. i need to set her on this path of of heroism and she comes back and forgives me or blows up my house or whatever the, the genre of the movie is but i won't just be a random occurrence because like that's not the image i want to put out in the world and that's not the image i want people to see i can't wrap my head around that character mm-hmm. You know what i mean I, and i don't nor do i want to put my to, to dive into what it would be to hurt a woman that way for no reason. Yeah. Right. So, so I think some of it is on us to, 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 to take a stand and say, yeah, like, I don't want to do a slave movie. Like I, like, I don't want to be a slave. I just make me a Senator. Why do I have to be a slave? You know what I mean? Um, I don't do the young thug roles anymore. I just turn those down. I'm like, no, and that's good for the newcomers who need to pad their resumes and stuff. I don't need to do that stuff anymore. Um, you know, the thuggiest I'll go is like a Idris Alba. Like I'll live in that. That's as, that's as gangster as I'll get, <laughs> <laughs> but he's still refined and, and comes with this gravitas and he's yeah. never like, yo, yo, yo. It's from like, it's about what he'll do to you that makes him so gangster, not the way he behaves.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, you bring up a really interesting point, And I'd love to just open up the floor for this. Um, yeah. talking about integrity as an artist and choosing your roles, uh, you know, um, filmmaking writing is same for me you know it's what i've been more focused on but it's like the the script that i'll choose or the film that i'll make now is so much different than what i would have been open to when i was younger Mm -hmm. even the genre and even the style of the genre and stuff like that um so to me my kind of my my line that i'd like to go down is as a younger artist i think we're more like let me just get a role you know, like, let me just get a role and like be a part of this whole thing. Right. So, um, you know, and I, and I think that young artists out there, you know, maybe we've been in the industry for a long time. We can say like, well, you know, get, get out there get, get your line, get some experience, get in the door. But like at what point do you think an artist should really start being like, or do you think it's natural? We just start going, well, this is what I want to do. And this is where I'm going to start directing myself. Cause I think um, like the, the young artist is just trying to get in the door. Right. And and they're like, yeah. when they hear that, they're like, I, I don't care. I just want to roll, you know?
0: So I think there's two ways to, 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 to approach that. Uh, probably more, but two that jumped into my head. So there's the, the person who comes through the door, with the confidence to say i am not doing this or i'm not doing that and they have nothing on their resume i think that you are entitled and i would empower you to do that if the skill set you have behind you makes you an undeniable asset to whatever project you you know you end up doing so that when you when you turn down four but get that one people go okay okay right it took a while to get you in the door but when you got here, you didn't you didn't shit the bed, so we, could, we should start, we should probably listen to you. Um, and then the other side, I I I the best example for that is look at uh, musical artists. Um, pink was the pink is actually the biggest example of that that I've ever seen because it's very clear and present. Most sophomore albums, when you see them, it's. Like this poppy trash. Every artist, almost every artist, says, "I hated my first album. It's not what I wanted to do. It sucked." And then two or three albums later, you're like, "Kaboom!" And then now that's like the pink we see today is the pink she wanted to be back then,
3: Mm.
0: right? But the pink hair pixie cut is what they packaged her as. You know what I mean? They got her in your office and said, "Listen, we're you're funky. You got this edge to you. Let's do the hip hop pop stuff." And then she was like, "Nah." and then she went to like. <laughs> she, yeah. so I, think, I think I think actors have to take a page from from musicians and go, okay, what's my first role going to be? what's that clip that Jimmy Kimball or David Letterman or whoever is going to show like we got this clip of you from back in the day, like what is that what's going to hang over your head? and I'm not saying to the poo poo the work, but what I tell my students a lot of the time is like, don't do any work you cannot watch with the blinds closed by yourself. If you watch it by yourself and you're embarrassed, don't do it. If you, I don't mean like not watching it with your parents because we're always kind of embarrassed when, our, when there's people around like, oh, this is my performance and you feel kind of weird. But if you're just by yourself with your thoughts, watching it and going, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done this. Then that, that's the gut I would go with. I would go with that. You know, um, I got a role, I was offered a role in a Netflix uh, Netflix movie and my agent was like, you've got to do this. It's amazing. It's going to be so great for you. Turns out it wasn't, but whatever. Um, so I read, I said, send me the script and I read it and it was full of the most homophobic 1985 humor I've read or heard since. 1985 you know what I mean it was like and I called my agent I said turn it down he's like did it's so great I'm like turn it down I said I just got off a show where I play a gay husband all my fans are in the community I'm an ally of the community community outspoken as such and you're gonna put me in a movie where I'm a thug who's super homophobic like they put a gun to his head and threatened to kill him And he says, I ain't talking. And then a guy does a strip tease and says, I'm going to be naked. And he goes, okay, okay, I'll talk. And I said, a a naked man is more threatening than a gun to his head. Mm. I I can't justify that guy. If someone puts a microphone in my face and says, so how do you, how do you feel about playing so-and-so? I'd be like, he's a dick. He's a piece of shit. That's the only answer I can click. Yeah. I would and so I so I said don't do it. And overall, when it came out and we all watched it, my agent sent me a message. He goes, Good call. Mm-hmm. So there is, and I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous. You know, I was nervous to yeah. offend the, the casting director because they offered me a solid like 14 days on like that's a lot of work
3: mm-hmm.
0: and and a lot of money. And I was like, it's not on brand. So I think to answer the question in a short form, before you walk in the door. What's your brand? Know your brand and stand behind that. Otherwise, I think that's where you end up taking all these little, you know. I'll take this. I'll take this. I'll take this. I'll take this. And then, like, then what's your then your brand is two one-liners on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a right? sense, you can in this industry. I mean, I, I've seen it on the back end on the producer side. You can you can. I don't care what artist you are an actor your writer your director it doesn't matter you can prostitute yourself and and not i don't mean sexually i just mean like you can start to be the guy that will do whatever or the girl that will do whatever they ask you to do and and that is not a role you want Uh, like it's it it might pay well initially but it will be a downhill spiral and Mm -hmm. And what happens in the conversations about you behind your back? I, I've mm-hmm. seen behind the table. I, I honestly thought about leaving the film industry just because right. I heard those conversations.
3: Right. Because right. they are
1: so ugly. You, you like people have no idea. Like, and mm-hmm. if I told you, if I, I, I don't. It's not necessarily for them to air it, but like right. some of the things I've seen on the back end are so disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and I think as artists, we need to. I mean, I don't necessarily need you need, you need to know how ugly it is but like when someone says it's ugly, trust
0: them, believe them. Yeah. Believe Believe them. them. Yeah. Like Harvey Weinstein, like just for example, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like Courtney Love said in 1992 or something and, and people are 2002 or whatever it was. There's an interview, you can see it on YouTube. She says, uh, What would you have? It's an MTV award. She's on the red right carpet and it's just a mic. It's like a 30 second clip. They're like, Hey, uh, Courtney, do you have any advice for young artists coming up in the industry? And she's like, uh, Yeah, uh, don't go to have your YC's hotel room if you ask you to go to a party after 3 a.m. And she walks off. And people were like, "That crazy, Courtney. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. now you're like, See, that was the, she said it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, Dave Chappelle's dad said to him, "Name your price, and when it gets too expensive, quit." And so that's that's kind that's kind of where I I I and I don't model it's it's sort of an, an attitude I had, but that put it into words. That sort of solidified it for me. I would rather work twice or three times a year on something that I would sing from the rooftops than work all year. And be miserable. Like, if you look at these guys and girls and, you know, people on these shows and they're miserable, miserable. And I'm like, then quit, quit. You have a name, quit. Like, I don't hate that, that what's her, um, what's the, the, they, them, that woman, she played Batwoman. woman. Um, rose something rose the girl who played batwoman yeah um uh fuck anyways her name escapes me right now but um she was like i don't want to do this anymore this is this this is more than i am willing to give i don't like the kind she's like uh, some things i've heard on set she doesn't like the costume she doesn't like the hours Uh, um and that's her prerogative man like i don't want to play a spandex superhero where you don't see my face for half the show no
2: so yeah it's it's yeah it's really it's interesting because it's like to me this is what i'm hearing is like this is all about integrity you know like we can talk like you know like maybe that's kind of like the thing behind the brand you know it's just like where's your where's your integrity at and that's something that shifts and changes because it's not something to cast a judgment on the things that you have done in the past or whatever, but that, you know, this is something that, that often reveals itself. If you're paying attention, you know, like, and, and it's something that continually changes. Like, I can't say that I've, I've necessarily had a lot of those sort of experiences, like really like what earlier in my acting career, like I was, pretty much like always going out for like the boy next door. Right. Like, and that was fine. Like, (laughs) like I didn't have any (laughs) problems with that. Um, but I mean like just on, on a sort of a smaller scale, like I, I stopped going out for commercials years back, you know? And, and, you know, I was, I, I would, wasn't booking a, a ton of them, but you know, I, I got a few and, you know, made some, some good money doing it that way. But mm-hmm. it just, it reached a point where, I mean, there was a few things where one, it was, uh, just, I, I didn't enjoy sitting around in those audition rooms anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right. the other, but the main thing was that I was like, what am I doing here? I was like, I'm like, I'm participating in selling people shit that they don't need.
0: <laughs> or I or that I even use. <laughs> or that I even use. And you know, it's like yeah. but you know, like I've I
2: like don't get me wrong, I had I've had a lot of fun on some sets. Mm-hmm. Some of them didn't have a lot of fun on, but you know, I had some fun and, and got some experience that way, but eventually it was just like, no, this just does not feel right anymore. Well
0: well to to piggyback you on that, I think if you're you know, staying in the world of integrity for a second, if What I found out early, as an actor, is if you manage your real life well, financially, and I'm not talking about having a bunch of money. I cover the three bases, internet, food, roof over my head. Those are the three things I will never be without. Everything else can suffer, but I need to eat, I need to sleep, I need to be able to contact my agent, my cell phone, with minutes. Once those three are sustained, I, I my integrity level can go up because I don't need to take this job because I'm behind on rent. I don't need to take this job because I don't have money in my bank account. So if you manage your actual day to day better, and that's one thing they don't mm. teach us in schools. And I wish that they did to like, you know, even if you have to take a fucking year off and go work in an office and make your 20, whatever bucks an hour, just job that you hate just so that you have a little bit of a nest egg and then come back to acting in a bit, take classes or whatever. And then come back and say, now I can, I can pick and choose to a degree what I want to do. Because this act I was a, there was a point when I was acting and I was like, I, if I can just book two acting jobs this year, I can pay my rent. If like, it, <laughs> it was dependent on a job I didn't even have yet. And so when I started making real actor money and working and managing my day-to-day, I was like, oh, this is how you do it. I could not work for six months and still be okay. That's how you do it. I don't have a bajillion dollars in the bank, but I don't need anybody for anything. You know what I mean? I don't need I don't need anybody for anything in that way. Do I need to work for a living? Yes. Am I am I holding to every single audition? No. You know because when I look at what I what my rate is and I go, okay, I'm gonna make that much. My agent's gonna take that much. The government's gonna take that much. It's not even worth it. That's that at the end of the day. If you want to get me more money, okay, sure. But if for this, first of all, I'm not going to burn the show for this, for that. And also, the role let's wait for something bigger and better in in media. That's why I stopped doing extra work. I used to do extra work, and someone on set had seen me on a show, and then they saw me in the background. They're like, why are you here? And I was like, I don't know, extra money. And they're like, yeah, but if you if you're willing to do this, why would they pay you to do that? And I went, Oh, mm. right. Okay.
1: Yeah. You bring um, up a really, like a really good part. And I think this is great for artists here, especially from someone like yourself, who's been in the industry for as long as you have and, and had that journey from extra to, you know, to, to like working on, real television shows, and real movies <laughs> yeah. and shit, right? Like, I mean, that's what yeah. a lot of actors, like that's the dream, you know, that's a lot, that's Great. a dream. You're living it. I mean, even if you have a vision that's bigger than what you're doing, I mean, yeah. you're still living a dream for a lot of people. And, um, you know, to hear that is important. And I've learned that from the writer director side too. It's, it's very much like that when you start saying, well, I'll just do this thing. I'll compromise my art a little over here to make a few extra bucks. Cause I can, you don't realize that you're actually taking down the value of what, you know, where you're maybe headed. And I think that's a hard thing for the young artists to understand that it's weird because you can get to a point where people are like, well, this person is really good over here. I'll hire them over here. And if I need that extra money, I go, okay, I'll do that extra thing. But what I don't realize is that costs me over here where I've actually gained territory. Right, yeah. and and that's the thing. I think you brought up a really good point. Like that extra work was costing you something, as yeah. much as it was paying you, it was
0: costing you probably more. Costing, yeah. And and that's and that's, the, that's the unfortunate thing with the career that we're in because we have to. We are often, you know, forced to define success, and unfortunately, the majority of people think that success is a dollar value transferable amount into your bank account. And I always look at it as the red paperclip theory where it's like, I have a paperclip, you have a pen, well, you need a pen, you need a paperclip, I need a pen, cool, we trade. You need a pen, I need a car keys. So, okay, so I'll give you the pen, you give me the car keys. I, that's not value, but that is step by step building to something bigger till finally we get house keys, now you have a house from a, a red paperclip. So so I look at acting as, in the same way. When I pick my roles, and I say pick, but when I when I when the when they come to me in an audition and I scan them and I read the project, I always look: Is this going to hurt my brand? It's going to pay me for sure, but is it going to hurt my brand? If it's going to hurt my brand, then it's not worth it because my right. So put it this way: I the first my career really picked up a few years ago when I did my first gay role, and. You know, people were like, how are you going to play this? And I was like, I don't know, same as I would play a doctor, just do my homework and be real. Like, I don't know. Like, there's no, it's not a, not a big fucking deal. But that role, someone saw that. And th- since then, for the past two and a half, maybe three years, 95% of the roles that I'm playing are gay or ambiguously so. They're just in this like middle ground. My, my agent and I call it thug chic. It's just not, he's like edgy, but he's got the earrings, he's a little fay. he's the best friend. <laughs> and so that's because if you look at my body of work, it's consistent. For the past three years, it's boom, 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 boom. I don't like the word typecast. Fuck that term. That's stupid. Consistently cast. If you are consistently cast, cool. Yes, your artist soul might want to spread its wings and do something different, right? Or go do a play, right? And then come because plays are not about brands. Plays are literally about the guts and glory, and like people are there. And you do your shit. The lights come on, and they're back in the world on this stupid plasma box that we look at every day. That's different. What are you selling? the world. I shouldn't even put it in air quotes. What are you selling to the world? Are you selling a guy? This is why I always say Johnny Depp doesn't have an Oscar yet. Because Johnny Depp is inconsistent. Not in the level of performance that he portrays. I cannot pick a character that he is. I can't. what What is he? What has he consistently back to back to back to back to back to back to back done that you can go every time he plays this thing, he hits the mark on that. Denzel has made a career arguably about on um, being Denzel if we're being realistic. He does a really good Denzel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I love him. Yeah. He's one of my he's one of my top 10 in no order, definitely top 5. But but he's just a a, a skewed version of himself. If you look at Safe House or you look at Uh, the the equalizer it's not that different you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but if you look if you look at a you know like a daniel day lewis or a don sheetl those guys poof disappear so so i think it it comes down to to what actor do you want to be what's the brand you want to sell and just be consistent with that and stand behind that at the end of the day don't be defined by what someone else wants to define you as because they will try. They will totally try. Mm. Um, so yeah, have integrity. <laughs> 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 it all comes off that. Yeah. Stand behind yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Integrity. It's integrity is such a good message. It's uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it seems like a lot of our, I mean, even the way we started, <laughs> it's all kind of coming back to, you know, there's this theme, right. And, uh, yeah.
0: Well, cause we're bodies for sale. We're bodies for sale, whether you're writing, like you said, it's your brain is for sale, whether you're singing, it's your voice, whether you're acting, it's your body, but we're bodies for sale. So if you are a body for sale and you don't have integrity, they're going to stick it in any hole that they can because they don't care and they're foot in the bill. So you have to define your value. You have to define your boundaries and you cannot compromise for that. You can't. Yeah. For the, for the one person you insult because you do not compromise, there's 10 people who will stand behind you and go damn right.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I mean, you can compromise, of course. definitely can. And I'm sure. Like, and
0: I don't, no. I don't knock anyone that does, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I don't knock any, if that, listen, if you want to sleep your way into Hollywood, do you, if you are prepared for what that means overall and what, what brand that makes you and what people may or may not say about you, if you are ready to weather that, do you. I personally am not willing to do that or haven't met an, 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 or to be fair, have not been put in a situation where I've had to decide. (laughs) Right. And I don't mean a situation where someone in a Harvey Weinstein is holding you over a barrel and saying like, it's your career or else. I just mean if an opportunity presents itself, and you're like, "Hmm, I could do this, and this will happen, or I won't, and it won't happen." Whatever you choose is up to you. Stand behind that decision, though.
2: Hmm. Hmm. I just wanted to mention that, like uh, coming into this conversation, you picked a couple of words that are sort of like there. There are artist laws, and it was process, presence, attention, and relationship. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And it's like we've talked about like your relationship to, you know, your vocation, how we relate to that. We've talked about <laughs> our presence and our attention to yeah. to like what's going on and how we feel about things and mm. and, and what we're doing. Just wanted to throw that out there.
0: But yeah, because they're, they're, there's, I don't like. I love that you guys have a, a bunch of words to to, to sort of keep the, the the conversation on track. But at the end of the day, you, the three of us know that th- there's no way to actually isolate any of those words in what we do. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe if we're all running a scene and we want to focus just on process, so let's just focus on that. In the in, you know, we're training in the in, in the gym or whatever with acting, but once you get on the floor stage behind the typewriter, whatever the hell it is, they're all happening. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bunch of cogs in that machine. Just chick, chick, chick. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I just, I guess, I, you know, we've all, taught, we've all been trained by Nathaniel at some point, you know, and I just don't know any other way to like, I can't, how do I not use all those words? <laughs> because in your day to day, you do. Every day your integrity is measured. Every day your commitment is measured. Every day you process something. Every day, you know what I mean, you have to be present or you're not present. Every single minute that your eyes are open, you're going through that gauntlet mm-hmm. uh, of, of those words. It's just our job as artists, we have to, to do our job well. We have to mm-hmm. learn how to isolate them, define them. Put them into practice. Forget about it, and then look natural doing the like, all. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then look natural doing all that, which we do every day anyway. So, so yeah.
1: You brought up consistency before. I mean, let's maybe go back to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think consistency relates to so many things because you're talking about your brand and consistency, mm-hmm. but like consistency is like a way of life too. Because every time you sell out on yourself, you just make it that much harder to not. Like mm-hmm. every time that you, you, you like, look at it. I look at as it, two buckets, uh, integrity and selling out. Right. And it's just mm-hmm. two buckets in front of you and you'd have a dime every day and you throw a dime into one and you throw a dime into the next. And you're mm-hmm. like, I got a buck in integrity, but you throw 10 cents in, in selling out. That just cheapened your integrity. You now have 90%, 10%.
0: Exactly. Exactly. 10%. Exactly.
1: And then you do another dollar. You just cheapened it again. And Mm -hmm. you know, pretty soon, actually, it doesn't take many dimes into that selling out. To all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, all of a sudden, your integrity is pretty cheap. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I think that, like, yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, and it's we're you're right. We're running through a gauntlet of: Do I want to throw the dime there? Do I want to throw the dime here? And so,
0: not not in an acting world. And my 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 mother probably going to hate me for putting her fucking business out in the world, but. My mother's the strongest, most integral human being I've ever met. And I don't say that because I am a mama's boy, which I am. <laughs> but her her outlook on life is unlike most that I've seen. My Well, it's like me. She created a monster in me because she's like, you took what I taught you and you're like, you're all over the, like, you're wow. But so my mom and my dad, uh, when they were together, uh, my parents were divorced when I was five. And my dad was a musician and he was kind of famous and he was touring and stuff. And so I and then I was born. And my mother was like, hey, you gotta chill out with the touring and the music because you got a son at home. And I was like, okay. Then my brother was born and my dad was still wanted to tour. And my mother was like, Hey, um, uh, like you gotta stop. I can't it's two boys. <laughs> like I can't do two boys alone, which she absolutely could. Um and so they got into an argument and he shook her. And she divorced him. And so when I got older, I was like, hey, I never asked you why Why'd you and dad get divorced? She goes, because he shook me. I'm like, you got divorced for a shake? Now, I don't say this to condone a shake, but I was just like, divorce? For like a, listen, woman, like a shake? (laughs) And she goes, yeah. I don't want to know what comes after a shake. Mm. And I went, oh, wow. She goes, if I let that shake go, Shake is the new zero. I
3: was
0: like, right. So it, it it probably progressed from loud voice to shaky fist to a shake. And she was like, and that's my line. That's my line. If I let that go, like to go back to what Brandon was saying, if I let that go, that's a dime in that bucket. Mm -hmm. Now shake is the new Mm -hmm. shut up. And then is the new shake. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Nope. Five days later, a lawyer was coming up the stairs. You're out of here. Yeah. So, so, so I took that, I, I, I was lucky I heard that early. So I took that to, for same thing for me. I will never be treated less than I, I am valued at. So what I tell my students, the easiest way to do this and very like hyperbole, but still weigh yourself on a scale. See what the numbers on the scale say. Multiply that number by the price of gold per pound. That is your dollar value as a carbon-based organism that has nothing to do with your looks, talent, intelligence, charm, skill set, nothing. It's just as a lump of body, you are worth this much money. So if it's easier for you to try and decide who can treat you a certain way, don't let anyone treat you less than $253,000. That's just... And the heavier you get, the more you're worth. <laughs> like it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, so cause cause sometimes people don't understand things and it's not in a dollar value. Mm. They don't get it. They don't get the value. So if I say you're worth $250,000. Yeah. Will you let anyone treat you less than that? No. Do the same thing in your work.
1: Mm. So, have so, you ever, you ever heard of a uh, battered wife syndrome? Absolutely yeah battered wife syndrome it's very hard to understand for a person who has never been in that situation Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. battered wife syndrome you know that guy that was beating that woman did not start that way it was many many dimes in that bucket of uh, he yelled at me uh he pushed me uh, he shook me uh he hit me uh he punched me uh whatever and then when they get out of it they're they're usually like i don't know how i took all this abuse and and most people are like i don't understand either most people right
0: but well i'll, I'll say this just to interrupt you i'll say this about that and i'll tell you from my understanding having been in a, in a matter, like witness to it yeah it's a, it's slightly different and yes it is about allowing that to happen but it, it starts even before the hitting because what happens with an abuser an abuser's first Thing. And it also goes down to the, it can be paired with the industry as well. But an abuser's first thing is to destroy your psyche. Right. No one's going to love you like I will. You're worthless. I'm the only one that, da, da 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 da. If you didn't do this, I wouldn't do that. So you start to have this mantra in your head that I am, I have no value. So once they've eliminated your value, then they can do whatever the fuck they want to you. Right, beings insult you, hit you, smack you, push you, whatever. So when you translate that to the industry, it's the same thing with the dime in the bucket. If you allow them to to take away your worth slowly but surely, then you end up, uh, you know, doing anything for a buck because ah, uh, come on, man, you know, Mark Anthony, uh, your teeth aren't straight, so you got to take whatever you got to take because your teeth aren't straight. So at, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I got to take whatever I got to take because my teeth aren't straight. And then I realized, I've been booking work for five years with my teeth crooked, fuck you. No, I don't. I ended up straightening my teeth, but that was my own personal thing, which we can talk about later. But um, but at the end of the day, that's what, that's what the abuser and the industry does. They break you down first. So you're this ball of jelly. And that's why we don't understand why they can stay, because you're like, if someone called me an asshole, I would punch them in the face. But we're only hearing the asshole. We're not hearing the comments... Slowly every day for the past five years. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's,
1: you made the point that I wanted to get to yeah. in There's, pairing it to industry. You already did it, so I mean, yeah. that's. Can <laughs> yeah. I say something, Evan? Sorry, I know yeah, you want yeah, to yeah, say yeah. something here. It's just that I want people to understand. I this is so important to me. Look, like I was, I was abused growing up. I, I grew up with with this type of behavior from parents, mm-hmm. from from family. Like, mm-hmm. it, like it, it's 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 a mess. And they didn't even realize they were doing it like that. That's the other thing that people don't realize. Sometimes abusers don't even realize they're abusing you. They don't realize that their own ego is the problem and whatever, Mm -hmm. but the industry has a massive ego. And then you get people who, abuse artists in this industry and mm-hmm. our value can be so low that we just think we're so not valuable that mm-hmm. we go, Oh, like, please, Mr. Producer, please help me have the role. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're in that relationship, you know, you're yes. in that shitty toxic abusive relationship. And I, I think what you're bringing into the conversation, I just really want to mention this. Cause like, this is a big thing for me. Like, cause when I was 17, that's when I started in the, in the industry, mm-hmm. I always think about that 17 year old and I go, what would I tell him if I mm-hmm. could, you know, and, yeah. and, and I'm telling, and you don't have to be 17 to hear this, but I'm just saying like, man, you're so fucking valuable. You have no yes. idea. And all this story around you not being and how you're not valuable and how they can replace you. It's bullshit. Bullshit. it's fucking bullshit. Absolute and I just, I, I just love that your, your take on this, uh, is just so it's, I just, I just love that because that's actually why I do this podcast to speak to myself at 17. I like, right. honestly, I get up in the morning and I go, fuck, what could I tell him? Cause yeah. I, I really truly believe there's someone out there that's just like me at 17 that just needs to hear that. And that, yeah. that's or right
0: now at 40, yeah. 40, whatever. Who's like, or was whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or right. whatever. I agree. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway, there's, I just had to say that it was important. Yeah. No, and I'm
2: glad you said it. There's yeah. so much. There's so much that I want to unpack with everything that's been circling around over these last mm-hmm. few minutes here, nah. because like I'm just you know seeing this incredible uh, relationship that exists between how we uphold our own integrity and freedom, our mm-hmm. sovereignty. Because when we don't uphold that, we Because it's interesting because like, I'm always wary of when we talk about, it's like, oh, they will, they will make you do this and they will take this from you. And she's like, well, they can only take it if you offer it, Hmm. if you're willing to give it up. And sometimes your abuser doesn't know that they're abusing because you're not actually letting them know that what they're doing is an abuse—that there's something wrong with what's going on—and mm-hmm. that's where we're becoming centered, understanding where we are within our integrity, what we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do.
0: I, I'm and, sorry, I would hold Keep that thought. Just remember, because I, 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 want, I want your listeners to understand when we say that the abuser doesn't know that they're wrong, they know that they're wrong in a, in, in a, in a very particular type of paradigm. That's why it's, yes. it's, it's not no one's gonna understand it's not they don't think what they're doing is right. they, yeah. they formulate a justification in their head for why they do it. so yeah. so when you say that's wrong, the first thing they'll say is yeah, but if she didn't piss me off or if he didn't piss me off, I wouldn't have had to do what I had to do. So they know that it's not correct but they yeah. do the mental gymnastics mm. in their brain consciously or subconsciously whichever i'm not a psychologist so i don't fucking know but they do the mental gymnastics to justify that it's your fault that i did what i did
2: yeah that's what i wanted to say yeah no absolutely and i'm glad you brought up that distinction because yeah i was i was definitely not saying that that's always necessarily the case right right, right. like i I always I, i say that like as human beings we can convince ourselves of anything but we can fool ourselves of nothing you know so it's like <laughs> you know like we can convince ourselves something but deep down there's a part of us that knows just like there's this is bullshit
0: what's going on there's a part of you that knows um, i mean yeah
2: but like coming back to it just like it like we don't even need to use that specific example but there is our freedom and our sovereignty that is tied directly to our integrity and and what we're willing to to compromise and not compromise on because like you're saying the more we compromise the more we throw that that dime into that bucket you know of, of letting our integrity slip letting it slip letting it slip our freedom is slipping more and more between because eventually we're in a space where it's like well you'll do anything that anyone asks because you've got no foundation what the fuck nothing. are you you're standing on you're standing on absolutely nothing
0: nothing i, I mean it, it's I'd rather be free and broke than rich and in jail. Like, it's just, that is just the way I see the world. And um, I, 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 I want to, you know, I find it crucial to mention that anything I say, I, I refer to for me. I'm not talking about how other people want to live their lives. But I think if you put a hundred actors in a room and said, okay, everybody in there here who's comfortable working in an office, raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> man, <laughs> not a lot of us would do that because those are little prisons to us. T4 reports and uh, P- TPS report, whatever the fuck they're called, <laughs> and quotas and fuck, 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 fuck you. We don't just, we don't just take server jobs and retail jobs because they're shift work. We take them because we get to interact with people and we get to be free and talk and our personalities are allowed to show and that's okay. It's actually helpful if you're a server. That's why most of us don't work at fancy, snooty, high-end restaurants where you're not allowed to be anything. We work in the milestones and the kegs and the whatever else is where you get to sort of have a personality, maybe sneak a shot with the guest. <laughs> Peace out. you know, <laughs> We're bartenders or that kind of thing. We don't, we don't, we're not built. Not all of us are built for the, the, the nine-to-five cubicle conformity. We would go crazy because I, w- I worked in a factory uh, for, like, four months. I tried because it was great money. And I was like, all oh, right, was working in a factory and blah, blah, blah. This is before I was an actor. But it's one of those things where, you know, you sort of – this is how you know what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And I was pulling this machine all day. And I was just there. I was there for probably four weeks maybe. And I remember looking around and looking at these lifers and not thinking badly about them, but just like, I don't want to be here. What? Cause I kept fucking it up and I kept breaking the drill bit. <laughs> it was the whole thing. Anyway, the guy's like, Oh, we got to do is you got to get this thing. And blah, blah, blah. Once you get here long enough, you'll see it's super easy. You got to flip this out. If you need anything, I'm right over here. And I was like, "Huh, I don't want to be that guy. I have n- nothing against that guy. I just don't want to be him. I don't want him to be here long enough to know how this machine works perfectly. Get me the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? And I think most actors. I think most actors. If you ask them, you know, I think that's why these actors, after a bunch of years on shows, quit because then it becomes work. Mm-hmm. It becomes work, and then they end up like I got it. Like Steven Amell, I totally understand. Like I totally understand why he's like, get me off the show. Get me off. 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 I've been here forever. I have a life. I have other things I want to do. I'm being typecast now. I'm being branded as this guy. Get me off this frigging show. And so I don't, I mean, I feel bad for all the people who don't have work now because he's off the show. And that sort of sucks that they, that that's the industry's fault for putting so much weight on one person, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, But I can't blame the guy to one who wants to do something else as an artist. Like you think he, when he started acting, he's like, I want to play Oliver Queen for the rest of my life. No, not at all. So even, even um, uh, Richard Williamson, I think his name, or William Richardson, either way. He's from um, uh, CSI Las Vegas, the first one. He played Grisham. Mm. And so after like 19 years or whatever on this show, he's like, I'm out of here. And people are like, why are you leaving? It's like one of the number one shows on television. It's syndicated. You're never going to have to work again in your life, he goes. And he said, and I'll never forget this, because it was one of my favorite shows. He said, this character has nothing left to teach me. And I went, what do you like? Well, the, the, the person was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I know his favorite color. I know what he sleeps on his stomach or his back. I know his morning routine. I know what he eats for breakfast. I know everything about him. And so coming to play him, I'm not working anymore. I'm not, this, this not acting. I'm just going through the motions. And I promised myself once I got to that place with a character, I would walk away. And I was like, wow. Okay. So it's possible. I'm not crazy because I think like that too. Yeah. So I was like, okay, sweet. You know what I mean? So that's, that's again, the freedom, I think.
2: Yeah, exactly. The, the, it's complete freedom when you can walk away from something like that and you can survive something like that too, which I think is a a whole kind of side of that thing is that we often think that it's like, Oh, but we won't survive this thing.
0: And it's just like, but you will survive this. Will (laughs) it's just survival and success. Same thing. It is. How do you define it? If, if surviving something means it's going to be easy, then fuck you. Because you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? It, surviving something could mean it's really hard for the next two years. It's really hard because you've got to go work as a janitor or some job you don't want to do for the next little while to sustain yourself. But on the other side of that, like I just walked away from my teaching job of 10 years. I'm like, I'm out. And they're like, well, I'm like, ah, I want to be in the owner's box. Like, I love it. But I see a lot of people who are, doing these acting classes on their own and you're not, they're not making billions of dollars, but they're happy. They're the boss. And I've been doing this for long enough that, and I'm going to call some names out that I'm long enough that I can teach a class like a Matthew Harrison or a Jeb Beach or a Ben Ratner. I'm not saying the, the same level of class. I'm just saying I'll do the level of what I do. You know what I mean? I can, I can do what they do, not how they do it but I can do what they're doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't see why I would keep the golden shackles of a good job because teaching was great, but it made me complacent. Mm-hmm. And it goes mm-hmm. back to what Brandon, Brandon was saying, which is every day that I went there, I put a dime in the other bucket, yeah. which is not a terrible bucket. It's a great job, great facility. Love everybody there. Um, we're like family. The facility lets us tape for free. Like it, It's the golden goose of yeah. acting places but is the free taping and a good and a bunch of people that i could see on my own time the reason to stay in a place where i should, <laughs> my wings are i can go stretch my wings somewhere else yeah yeah you know what you I know mean? it's
1: i'll tell a funny story complacency is such a little weird thing because i was dating a girl once right and uh the relationship once friend and once yeah once one time I dated the girl one time <laughs> you know and it was it was funny how the relationship went but it was one of those relationships where we just started dating and I'm like oh, I'll just date this person you know but then it started to become a relationship mm-hmm. and pretty soon you actually start to care about the person and you're like wow mm-hmm. I guess we're in this thing together and mm-hmm. I I was like but I didn't really want to date this person. <laughs> but I was like, but you hang out with someone long enough you get to know them. You start to understand them. You start to feel for them. And, mm-hmm. and, but the relationship as we progressed was not a healthy relationship. It's not really a good relationship. And, um, and, and I was like, at, kind of at a point where I'm like, I should probably walk away. And what was so funny, <laughs> and I knew I was complacent because she had a parking spot downtown. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but my parking spot downtown no will be gone. And when I said that out loud to myself, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like, like. But it's just funny because it's like complacency is kind of like that. It's kind of like this weird thing where you're like, but I get this nice little benefit, <laughs> but this
3: thing yeah. isn't and great. <laughs>
0: it's it's that, and it's yeah. also when I was dating this girl back in Montreal, um, the thing was. I didn't want to uh how do I how do I explain this? I didn't we weren't the we weren't a good couple anymore. We started out really great and then we weren't a good couple anymore. But I didn't not want to be with her at the same level as breaking up with her would hurt her. So because of that imbalance, I was like, well, I just don't want to be with her. I don't want to crush her. So that I guess I should stay because if I leave, it's going to be worse. I don't like, I tried once and it didn't go well. So I just, you know what? Like you start doing the mental gymnastics where you're like, I'll make this work. I'll make this work. I'll make this work. And it goes back to what um, Evan was saying, which is she will survive. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She'll live. And if she doesn't, she had deeper issues than us, our relationship. Yeah, you know what I mean. If I break up with someone, they jump out a window. That has nothing to do with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. But we get, and that I think comes from, in terms of art, artists. i and I mean I'm being very general here, but the empaths in us, the, the 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 people who have the ability to put ourselves in other people's shoes, we tend to go okay if i was in their shoes this would suck i wouldn't want that so i'm not going to do that to this person because i wouldn't want this um but that's when you start being like a cheater and a shitty and unattentive boyfriend and indifferent and all the all the things that at the end of the day then they yeah be it brings like, out qualities suck.
1: that aren't good you know you're yes. talking about that actor who left the show and other people maybe lost their job because of it mm-hmm. and it's like that actor uh, which i didn't catch the name there at the um, First at round,
0: uh, steven amell Oh, the first
1: out. one yeah no, yes, the the one who, yeah okay so he, mm-hmm. he he, decided to move on he mm-hmm. could get caught and go like but these people lose their jobs and blah 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 and and meanwhile him as an artist could just be suffering and mm-hmm. be in this complacent state and being I don't want to hurt anybody and and I think this is an important important point for people to take away that sometimes being in integrity means that other people are not gonna like it you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah it's gonna
0: Selfish is a bad word to the person who's not getting what they want. Selfish is not a bad word because selfish keeps you from crossing the street without looking. Selfish keeps you from drinking poison. Selfish keeps you from walking off the side of a cliff. I want myself to be okay. So I'm not going to do these things because these things will hurt me. Also called self-preservation, right? But... In terms of selfish, everybody on earth is selfish. The, the best relationships are when people are want two opposing things and they have the, the mental maturity and the emotional maturity to go, Evan wants this at a 10, I only want my thing at a four, let's give Evan what he wants because I only want my shit at a four, I really don't care if we eat at milestones or the keg. He really wants to go to the CAG. Let's just fucking go to the CAG. <laughs> right? Because I don't want that thing at a set of four. That's good. Now, yeah. Right? So so in a relationship, you have to check in with that, that balance when you're going back and forth. Like with my girl, that's how we get along. She's like, do you want to go kayaking? I'm like, nope. Do you <laughs> want to go kayaking? Yes, let's go. <laughs> and she's like, but I want you to go. I'm like, I'm never going to want to go kayaking ever. I'll <laughs> go because you want to go and you like it. But if you ask me, I'd rather go to the arcade, like it's just, there, we're never, we're not gonna agree on that, but I'm emotionally mature enough, and respect her enough to go, cool, I can, I don't have to be selfish on this, I'll allow you to be selfish in this moment, because I will survive a kayaking trip, make sense? So mm. Stephen Amell, in his case, he had to, when he sat down, he had to look, I wanna see my wife and kid that are in LA, I'm always flying back and forth to LA, I'm really tired of this Arrow character, yeah, I'm going home. And I'm pretty sure it was not an easy decision, but I'm pretty sure he said to himself, they will all survive. They'll live. They'll write me, they'll fall, I'll fall down an elevator shaft or whatever, they'll write someone else in and the show will go on. There'll be a tombstone, yeah. and that will be.
2: It. And I mean, and how long has Arrow been on? Like 11, 12 seasons. 11, yeah, like... like it's like you 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 owe it nothing, man. Like...
0: <laughs> Zero, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Ruby Rose owes Batgirl nothing. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep my opinions to myself. But, but Ruby Rose, when she got when she got cast for Batgirl, I was like, no. For a plethora of reasons, as a purist in comics and a bunch of stuff, I was just like, she's just not, you know, she's just not Batwoman in in, in my eyes. But who the fuck am I? Um, But I I said, let's see what the fuck happens. Just like Gal Gadot. I'll say Gal Gadot. I want to write her an open letter. I love you, Gal Gadot, if you're listening. Um, Gal Gadot, for me, um, when she got cast at Wonder Woman as Wonder Woman, I was like, nope, too small. Don't believe you not gonna happen wonder woman is six two stands toe-to-toe with superman and batman gal gadot is lovely and a great actor but mm, but then she proved me all the way wrong when she came and it's about and i learned another valuable lesson it's not the size that matters it's the performance that does Mm because i believed she was wonder woman from the minute the, the opening credits to the end i was like that is who she is mm-hmm. conversely to like a captain marvel where brie larson who's just okay and she's playing like a superman basically you know like you're just okay so so it comes to again so it comes down to it doesn't matter who's behind the costume and that's what i think stephen Amell decided. decides like it doesn't matter who's behind the costume as long as they do a good job that's all the people are going to care about
3: mm-hmm
0: and And to think, and to, and on the other side of that that coin, which we talk about in the industry, they could just as easily have been tired of him. I'm like, well, ah, Stephen, we had a good run. It was nice to see you, but uh, we're going to go a different way. Uh, the woman movement's uh, really taking hold, so we're going to change the uh, arrow to a woman, and so we're going to write you off. You're going to sail off into the sunset. You might yeah, come back it, to another season. That's the other thing. It could always go
1: the other way. You know, you, <laughs> right. think, you think you're think you sitting on this uh, golden goose, and you think, oh, I got it so good, and I want to leave, but I got the golden goose, and all of a sudden, the golden goose goes, you know what? We need someone else. <laughs> and you're like, I wanted to quit. <laughs>
0: exactly. And but, uh, and exactly Brenda, think about, think about that. Think that about it night, that way. That night of sleep where you get fired from a job. You wanted to quit a year ago. Yeah. Think of the mental.
3: Fuck that
0: is. You're yeah. not even, you can't even be happy that you're out of it. All you have is hopefully, hopefully not, but all you have is the regret that I didn't do it first. That's an ego response. I know but I'm just saying yeah. that's what we're doing. through. might have the first couple of weeks. But that's, like that's not
1: just ego. That's integrity. Cause that's you yeah. recognizing that you compromised your integrity and that's painful. 100%. That's what yeah. people need to realize. Compromising your integrity is painful. It's, it's mm-hmm. temporarily feels good, but it hurts mm-hmm. a lot later. It's like, I did, it, so, I did something. I mean, I, 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 I've been, you know, as I get older, I've gotten better. I've gotten kinder, more compassionate, more mature, mm-hmm. lots of things, lots of growth. And I look back at some of the things I did when I was younger and I go, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, what were you thinking? You know what I mean? But like, honestly, here's the thing. I did a lot of innocence. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. you know, like anybody who kind of does something, maybe a little bit, maybe you didn't, you said the wrong thing to somebody or you, mm-hmm. you did, you did something that wasn't so nice. I look back and I go, okay, you can't change the past, but you know, it hurts that you didn't hold up your integrity in that moment, right. you know, and, and I think that, you know, in life, you kind of go, okay, look, I made the mistake of compromising my integrity somewhere, but that just reinforces why I need to keep it now. You know, right. and, you and, know? and
0: the funny thing with you, Brandon is like, interestingly enough, I've known you for years, but uh, until recently, and when I want to say recently, I mean, in the last like five or six years, I never knew how to deal with you. There was there was an underlying energy about you that, and I consider myself a really good read of what's in front of me, and a good assessment of like this is going on or that's. I could not get your subtext, and uh, maybe it's like what you're saying, like you didn't know what your subtext was uh, fully right. But but back in the day, like school creative things, I was like, I don't know how to talk to him. Like, does he hate me? Do I hate? <laughs> <laughs> Is he understanding right now. I don't. I'm not. What's happening right now? You know what I mean. I used to talk. I to, was wildly
1: yeah. confused. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'll mean, tell you, you that. You, I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something.
1: And just you know, just because like Evan knows a lot more of my story than than right. you know, really anybody. But like the amount of truth that came out about my life and just like the amount of stuff that has come out in the last year has been. Like monumental. And we actually had a friend, Marco Pasqua, who was in a previous episode. And by the way, you mm-hmm. should doing to it was great. But mm-hmm. um saying it to you and everyone in the audience. But Marco was like, Brandon, you've changed so much over the last like several years. <laughs> he even said it in the podcast. <laughs> so i like, yeah. dude, the thing is, is like when I was younger, I I was hanging on by a thread, but I never knew it. And that's Mm -hmm. the funny thing is like, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that. I've had some people come back to me and say, man, you've had such change. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm glad that I have changed. But honestly, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. And I just want to say this to our audience. You might be in a place in your life where you don't know what's going on and you're struggling Mm -hmm. and trying to do your best. I was honestly trying to do my best when I was Mm -hmm. younger, Mm -hmm. but like the amount of personal work I had to do to get to a point of awareness was sometimes I feel like I'm way behind everybody. Like, I feel like everybody's like everybody who's like, you know, now like been in this industry for 20 years, I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm just starting because that's the amount of work I feel like I had to do just to get to level with everybody. But I'm like, you know what? Thank fucking goodness for this industry and this artist expression To give me the opportunity to do that, because if I never had acting and filmmaking and writing, I never would have done this work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. But it's interesting that you say that because,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. dude, I was as confused as you were. <laughs> yeah, I used, to, I used to talk to our, I used to talk to our mutual friend Emilio. I'm like, Emilio was like, oh, Brendan is my best friend, he's the best, my best friend, he's my best friend, he's the coolest guy ever. I'm like, I don't get him, like <laughs> I just don't <laughs> get him. And he's like, no, he's so good, you have to you have to hang out with him. I'm like I, I know Emilio. I just don't get him. I just don't like, I don't. And and for me, my, one of my fears, um, it, it, it's, I don't have many because I, I'm very logical, but one of the things that sort of gets me is not understanding something or being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So, because I don't consider myself a smart person, I consider myself a wise person, but I don't consider myself a smart person. So, so when I feel that I don't understand, I my back goes up. I I get into a, like most of high school. I was always like you're saying. I was behind everybody in class. I was always like, um, I don't get it. And it was like, <laughs> stupid. So for me, when I get into a place that I don't understand, I, I frustrate. I get frustrated, mm-hmm. and my walls go up. So with you as the empath that I was, and I didn't know that I was back then, and I'm reading this energy that you don't know what you're doing with, and I'm empathically just taking it on. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Brendan. What's wrong with him? It's like there's nothing. It's just nothing. It's just you guys are communicating on a level that is unseen and neither of you understand what's going back and forth between the two of you. And so as we got older then we worked together which changed everything. Um, but then, can, can um, I
1: sorry, can I can I yeah. just jump something? You said something very early on in the conversation. It feels like you're screaming inside of a glass box. Yeah. That's what it was like for me when I was in right. my 20s. I was like totally. screaming in a glass box and nobody could hear it. And I had these, like, I like, I like, there was a lot of cry for help, but mm-hmm. at, at the surface from what everyone saw in mm-hmm. a way it was like, or it, maybe it was not quite that analogy, but something like this, it's like,
0: makes sense. I totally get it.
1: You know what I mean? But it's like, mm-hmm. no one could hear it. Neither could I, in a way, I was right. almost deaf to it myself. Totally. And it was like, um, I was super bullied when I was in high school. And Mm -hmm. I I just, I I don't know if this relates to the conversation. I just want to bring it in. It does because it's here it's here. Right. And I was super bullied and I felt super rejected by people when I was young. And it wasn't until my twenties, all of a sudden, like girls started to like me, guys started to want to invite me to all the parties because mm-hmm. the girls liked me. And then the guys liked me because the girls liked me and it was like weird. And all of a sudden I was popular and I was like, but I was the bullied kid. I was the kid that like <laughs> girls wouldn't even hug. They'd hug all my friends and be like, uh, you, you know? Like, right. So, so in my twenties was so confusing because of that. Right. And I, and I think that, um, there's a lot going on in the world, just like, people are like that all the time, you know, and Mm -hmm. maybe people can learn from my story a little bit, but like, you're, you don't even know what you're asking for. You don't even know how you're being, how people are receiving you. Like I, uh, for example, I'll tell you something. I went to an audition class one time. Mm -hmm. I said, Brandon, you're a great actor. But when you came in to do like this mock audition, you were like a dog that I wasn't sure was going to bite me. Like I wanted to yeah. pet you, but I wasn't sure if you were going to like eat me. <laughs> like cuz like I had this like a anger but I didn't mm-hmm. know I had an anchor, and it was like weird, you know what I mean? But
0: yeah, I, you like, I, mean. <laughs> I was like, "I don't think he likes me." <laughs> yeah, like, right. Of he likes him I'm like,
3: I don't know. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> well, hey, it's good lights. we're getting all this out. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: But I think yeah. like this is the thing. I just I, I think with all the stuff that's going on with the protests, the protests, and the and the and the, and the and COVID and everything, mm-hmm. I think what we're starting to see is like we're we're starting to see that we don't understand each other as much as we we like to, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, uh, you're a black well, male to understand
2: other people when we don't even understand ourselves. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right. But you're like a I, black male going through a situation and like, yeah. you can look at the rest of the world and they go, they don't understand. And that can be confusing and threatening to some people. But I just, I,
0: ha- I have a, um, a knack for understanding others. And it's because I approach, sometimes I think I'm like a robot because I don't, I don't process through emotion. I try not to anyway. I mean, I have them, but when, when, when my emotion kicks in, I sort of go, "Mm," I separate immediately. What is the bullshit ego response, which I'm allowed to have. And then I go, okay, what is the stuff I can deal with? What is really happening? But I allow myself that initial knee jerk reaction of tears, whatever. Then I go. Okay, what is manageable? So, one of the things I th- I had no direction as a teenager. I, up until acting, I literally could have been anyone who cleaned horse stalls to sold weed. There was no. If you ask me what I want to do with my life, there was zero. Um, I had no idea. Acting when I started looking at other characters and forcing myself, and I think this is why I got lucky. And I, I'm, and if I may say so myself, that I got pretty good at it is because I actually started with nothing. I was nobody. I didn't have a distinct personality. So I had quirks and I was funny and I was charming and I was a flirt, but those are all like superfluous things that you do, sort of superficial shit that you do to get attention. But I didn't have a stance, if it, if it as it were. Mm. So then when I started acting, it wasn't hard to start putting my head into other people's I don't have to I didn't have to move my own shit out of the way to get into their shit because it was just like what's his problem his mother left him uh, okay that would really suck and then I would attack it with all the rest of the stuff who what went where why blah blah blah. but then that's I started doing that to myself in my day-to-day what's going on with me why did I do that why do I feel like that why I started asking the exact same questions that we ask as actors to to that to unpack a character i started asking those questions of myself every single day so then what happened is all i've done my character analysis on me so to understand other people it's not hard for me anymore because i go okay let me put myself in their shoes okay i can see why you would say that but here's why i say this i don't i don't have a Uh, I don't have the reaction my ego is not my first response in most things and I would say in a very large portion of my things my ego is not present in my decision making it's fact based and it sucks in a relationship sometimes because sometimes relationships are emotion based and people want you to make decisions based on emotion and I'm incapable of that now Like like my girl will say things to me like so again, I want you to be excited on the things I'm excited about. I'm like, I won't be. <laughs> I'm excited that you're excited, but I'm not going to feign and pretend that I'm excited about something that doesn't excite me. I love you, and I love that you love it, but I don't care. <laughs> like it, and I don't know how to lie through that anymore. I, I can't. So when I see people, to bring it back, to swing it back to what we're talking about, when I see people have an opposing view, of these race relations this like black lives matter all lives matter blue lives matter blah 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 and when i mean, I, hear, I i understand why white people for the most part or even some black people or people in general are saying that all lives matter i get it i 100% get it up here down here no way up here i do because going back to the what we're talking about the norm normal if you've been living in a world where it's 90 10 your whole life. You didn't ask for it. Nobody, it's not a check. It's just your life has been treating you 90-10. And then the people who are being treated at 10 go, yeah, we're owed another fucking 40%, by the way, giving up 40% is a lot. That's a lot to give up. So I under I don't accept, but I understand the resistance. I understand the fear If I have my foot on a tiger's neck for all of its life and someone says, you got to take your foot off that tiger's neck, I'm going to go, wait, no fucking way. Because when he gets up, I'm fucked. What's he going to do to me? So I understand the fear that people who have been in the position of power, I don't want to say oppress because not everyone is doing this out of oppression. Some people are just doing it because that is the birthright that they it was handed down to them from their dad and da, 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 da. so so for me understanding other people and which is why when I, when we first met him, i didn't have this that skill set so i mean maybe if i met you now then like you would have to be 20 and i would have to be 44 but <laughs> you know what i mean um i might be like i think we someone should talk to him you know what i mean i might say that then but but i think that the trick to life i don't know about the the, the meaning or the, the key but the trick to my life is honest assessment of self. Like I will stare in the mirror sometimes and just have a bunch of thoughts, and then when I look away from the mirror, when I have a thought and it makes me look away from myself, I stop and go, okay, what was that thought, and why was it one that made you unable to stare at yourself? Why were you ashamed to look at yourself when you thought about mom, or you thought about, or whatever? You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe I should call my mom because I haven't called her this week. So I'm constantly evaluating and doing the mental, like inventory of myself, to, to the point where now it's just second nature. I don't even plan it; it just happens. I just do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I think that that I think if more people did the the inward homework, like I'll be in an argument with Evan, let's say, and like screaming, but I will never get to a point where I say something out of line because I'm I don't go so far into the emotion that I say something that tomorrow I have to apologize for never. And if Evan says something, I actually will stop and go, okay, hold on. I know you're upset, but you just said, I'm this. So you want to, you want to take the opportunity to like take that off the table and continue or you're going (laughs) to double down because if you double down on it, cool. But when you're done, I'm (laughs) going to have an issue. So I'm yeah. giving you a chance to, to like to do the inventory and say, is that an emotional statement or an actual statement? If you actually think I'm this, well, then we can't be friends anymore. But if mm-hmm. you're just pissed off at me, like Emilio and I've had these blowout arguments, <laughs> usually, usually when we're producing something together, um, and you're like, rah, 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 rah. you're so lazy. Ha, I'm like, easy, <laughs> easy. Am I lazy or are you just mad at me? Okay, I'm just mad at you, but you have to do... Okay, okay cool. We're like, you know what I mean? We're good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's continue. Continue to yell at me because I deserve it. But I... but And it goes back to my worth. Even when I'm wrong, you cannot take... My mother always said mm. to me, never let a person leave a conversation with more of you than they started. Mm. So I don't care how heated we get. I don't care what we're arguing about. You can't take chunks of flesh out of you. State mm. your point talk to me in whatever way you want to but if you start to attack me
2: we stop yeah that amount know. that amount of awareness is uh in short supply it seems these days um <sighs> it's hard we've been uh this conversation's been great uh we we we've gone uh definitely over our our typical one hour mark which is totally (laughs) fine but um i feel like uh, now might be a good time to just uh we're going to talk quickly about what we're having to drink here and then we've got uh, some questions for you
1: yeah cool. you know i just want to say before we kind of start to tie this one in and pull it all back but uh it's been great man it's been great having this conversation with you because it's really been uh um it's really flown like bye, and uh it's funny you know sometimes you're like okay it feels like the hour and it was funny because that time passed a while ago and then i was like wait a minute (laughs) we're like we're 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 definitely over here and uh, i just think that's that's really cool man i think that you know uh, when conversations open up that way i mean we we talked about a lot of stuff so far but it's been really uh been really the the,
0: only way for the time to pass like that is when you are lost in the moment the, the word I talk about presence and you're being authentic. If you're being even slightly full of shit, people are going to tune you out. Then it's going to feel like forever. But if what you're saying, whether it's right or wrong is heartfelt, genuine comes from a real place. People want to know, even if they're going to disagree with you, they want to hear you say your truth. Mm. Everybody wants the truth. Everybody does. They, nec- they won't necessarily agree with it. Um, but they want the respect that is tell me at least, every woman says the same thing with a cheating husband or every man says the same thing with a cheating wife or whatever partner, whatever the fuck they'll say, just tell me the truth, right? Let me make an adult decision. Don't try and entertain me. You three knuckleheads, just speak honestly and I will be entertained. But if we're here yeah. trying to like, what can we say that's going to get people to be interested in what we're talking about? <clears throat> they're going to turn it yeah. out. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna talk about what you were drinking? You said.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Oh, I'm. I was drinking. Um, I think it's one that I've that I've had on the show before, but the uh, glitter bomb, which is a white pale ale from Phillips Brewing Company.
1: We've had that one. before, I good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've had that one. It's good. It's good stuff.
1: I like
0: that one. Mine. Mine was a naked grape white wine. I like. I like naked grape because. Um, I don't like oaky. I love, I see what's, it's hard cause I love whiskey, um, and vodka, but I don't like oaky tastes. So if I can mm-hmm. taste the barrel, it tastes like butter and I can't, it tastes like toast. So <laughs> naked, I, I found naked great. Um, so no matter what type of wine its it is, it doesn't have that oaky barrely taste. And it's just like, uh, except this one came out of a box. um
1: i'm drinking from four winds this one's called juxtapose it's a wild Mm. ipa um yeah no it's been good it's been a you know funny little thing i've said this several times on the podcast but i didn't initially like ipas before we started the podcast and then we started Mm. like incorporating them and trying them out and i'm like i really like them (laughs) um but this is a good one so anyway that's what i'm that's what I'm taken back to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Before we get into the question, I just want to just touch on what was said right before we took our little beverage break there, which is like, it made me think of something that um, my Meisner teacher, Larry Silverberg used to say, which was um, the audience yours says for the audience. You will be interesting once you become interested Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Um, so we've got a, a series of questions for you. Um, you know, you're gonna, you can,
1: you're gonna start, Evan.
2: Yeah. So um, yeah, like I'm just gonna fire it off. Yeah, I was gonna, exactly. I was gonna try to give some direction. I'm like, no, there's no point in that. All right. No. What is the most important book you've ever read?
0: Funny. I'm not a big reader. I'm, I have ADD, um, probably ADHD. And so I have a hard time sitting still to read words on a page. Comic books I could read all day. Big, thick graphic novels I could read all day. I need pictures. So reading for me was, was, is still very hard. Even scripts are like, it's really hard to sit still. Um, but the first book I ever read cover to cover, so I always go back to that, was The Secret of Nim. Which was mm. um, uh, yeah, a story about a bunch of rats that lived on a farm. And uh, it was about to get plowed, and they had to find these other rats to help them move. So it was really, really good. Uh, the second book I have to mention that I, that I, that was actually the most poignant for me, because Secret of Name, I got it like the Reader's Digest book club where you order it at school and it comes and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, But when I was in summer school, Mr. Barrett, Shout out to Mr. Barrett. Mr. Barrett, um, the way he got us to read books, because we were all underachievers, all bad students, he would play a movie up to a certain point, stop it, and then tell you what page that point of the movie happened. So I ended up reading The Outsiders like that, because mm-hmm. he, he, he brought it up to the church fire. It was like, and it starts on page 34. We're like, Ooh. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so, awesome. I have to say, uh, yeah, so, I'd probably have to say The Outsiders um, is the most important book I've ever read. Yeah.
1: Very cool. What film has made the greatest impact on you? <sighs> what
0: film has made the greatest impact on me. That's twofold. Um, Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. The performances in that, from from basically a bunch of unknown actors who are standing toe to toe with Denzel, gave me hope that it's possible to do this with a tight, with no pun intended, but with a titan of the industry and be relatively unknown. Because at first, I was in a world where like you have to be famous to work with someone famous, and all these like Ryan Gosling has like four lines in the movie. You know what I mean? Like everybody's <laughs> relatively unknown. And all these performances are good. And and so that inspired me, especially early in my career, like, okay, it's possible. Um, and and not so um, poignantly, I'd have to say Avengers and the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because as a kid, these are comics like i said i have add so all my i used to have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of comics like to the point where my mother was like like i'm throwing them what don't you read i'm like no i need them all they're be worth money sometime but <laughs> but i would read boxes and boxes of comics but i was wishing that these things that i was reading and these pictures i was seeing in my head would come to life and how cool would it be to see hulk and iron man and and not on this cheap 80s show but like like it is in the comic and then to have avengers happen and sort of make that child that child's wish come true is i don't think the marvel universe even really understands what they did for my demographic like my my age group i don't think they realize how important a set of movies those set of movies are um for little kids who are sitting with with no cable back in the day and their only TV was their comic books, which was, you know, so
1: I'm glad you shared that. I think that's such an important message just for people to understand why these movies are such a big deal. Because like there's a lot of people like, oh what's the deal with all these superhero movies? And it's like, yeah, dude, this brought people's fucking imaginations to life. Like this is this is a little bit beyond just yeah it's it's a it's on another level that way and and yeah
0: you you can do it that's what those movies exactly you think it and you
1: can do it that's what it's saying
0: some kid was reading that and went one day i'm gonna make a movie about this and did and if that's not a success story i don't know what it
2: is Mm. all right next question what is a song that takes you somewhere
0: yeah, where, do you, where, where are we going? There's a few, because I have a lot of songs in my playlist for triggers. Um, probably No One, the number one would be No One from Alicia Keys. Number two, Where'd You Go by Fort Minor. Um, they just, the melodies are so haunting and the words are so relevant to you know like i have tattooed on my arm love life or it looks like live life because i have the semicolons for mental awareness um and so those songs consistently remind me of people that i've lost but not in a sad way it's never been i don't i don't look at them with with like longing because each one of them, of you, all those people that are that are, that it reminds me of. I put in my work, and I'm successful because of my work. Therefore, I'm successful because of their help. So it's it's um, yeah. I'd have to say that. No one by Alicia Keys and Where'd You Go, Fort Minor. Two staples in my phone.
1: All right. Where do you think creativity comes from?
0: Um. anywhere man it, like a sound uh, uh a crack in the concrete the freedom to 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 follow an impulse you know what i mean i think if if anything if i'm speaking on a person level yeah the freedom and courage to follow an impulse and see what happens without worrying about whether or not it's gonna be the, it's gonna be good or bad, you know what I mean? Um, you and I, Brandon, we did a short film uh, years ago. No one's ever gonna see it ever, uh, but I I don't regret making it. You know what I mean? Like. So much went into it, and it, that came from an idea I had when I, a girl told me she was uh, at a party, and it was a real story. She told me a story about she was a stripper, and she went into the room, and she was like, oh, i got to fucking fuck this dude because he's the Bachelor, and he, all he wanted her to do was sing. Actually, all he wanted to do was talk, and she ended up singing, and that's where that story came from. I think it's creativity is all around you. You, you have to open your third eye, if you, if you, if you will, and let it in. So where does creativity come come from? Every single atom that's circling around you, if you're willing and able to uh, look at it and see it for what it is.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, Where or how do you find inspiration?
0: Um, Two answers. One, right now, I'm really struggling with that, with this COVID stuff. It's really hard because Objects out of motion tend to want to stay out of motion and objects in motion want to stay in motion. And so, you know, I'm actually doing some homework on myself right now trying to get into this. You know, I'm an actor who loves auditioning in the room. So this rolling out of bed 20 minutes before I have to set up my camera and film myself tape is not motivating to me. It's not inspiring to me. it's uh, I like the thrill of going to the audition and that inspires me to like the unknown the unknown inspires me right Mm -hmm. Um, but when I'm dealing with my bedroom taping I know what I'm dealing with I know what to expect it's my bedroom and my camera who cares Um, but also in my experience as a teacher potential potential really really inspires me seeing a student good or bad and having potential is the—it's the, the most—it's literally, and this is going to sound super corny, but it's literally the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Potential, and someone trying to achieve that—it makes me not want to squander mine. Mm. And it, and it's a—it's a beautiful reminder when you see that student who just can't remember lines. He's not that—he or she is not that great of an actor, but they get up every time, and you see like, oh, if you could just. Pull that string, you're off to the races. Um, so I love potential. Absolutely love potential. What's the one thing you would tell your childhood self? You're fucking awesome. Um, and Catherine gives blowjobs in the bathroom. No, sorry. No, uh, <laughs> no um, I'm teasing. It's just something I found out about somebody in high school. <laughs> I was like, what? I liked her! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's so stupid. I'm so sorry to everyone. To see. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, it's things I wish I would have known when I was not really good with girls back then. Um, but at the end of the day, Uh, It's one of the things I actually use all the time. I I use my, and and Brandon talked talked about it before, whenever I'm having a bad day, it's not so much what I would tell, it's actually not what I would tell my younger self, it's how would my younger self view me. Mm. I reverse it. If I were to go back in time as a hooded figure and see myself at seven trying to fish something out of a sewer as I was constantly trying to do, um with a stick and a rope and a magnet like what is that i'm just always like in front of my house trying to pull shit out of the sewer um oh my god i was such a I would i was. Get, i would get into, when i was a kid i would get into everything i was an only child for a while and i was just always in, always in some shit always always um but and my mother was was i was lucky because my mother allowed me the freedom i think i am the person i'm now because my mother did not put me in a box she was like go um as long as you are accountable for what you did come home and tell me if you're wrong I will stand behind you, but i always come back. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But I, whenever, I, whenever I feel down, which is not often, um, it's because when I think that I don't have a value or I don't think I'm cool or people like me, I go, what would my seven-year-old self say if I sat down like, here's the thing you're going to do with this, you're going, to you're going to work with this person, you're going to sleep with that person, this person's going to like you and you're going to break up with them. Da-da-da-da. You're going to have this job, you're going to make this much money, this was going to happen. Shut up! Like, I wouldn't even believe myself if I were to tell myself all the things that I've accomplished up to this point. So whenever I feel like most actors probably do, what's, what am I really doing? Have I really made any progress? Ask your seven-year-old self. Ask a seven-year-old, Period. Mm -hmm. what they think of your of your life and they're going to tell you the most awesome person in the world so yeah
2: that's excellent and final question what is one thing your future self would tell you right now
0: stay the course um Yeah, stay the course, and it's that actually makes me a little bit emotional because I don't. I'm, I'm one of those people that doesn't have an answer to. So, where do you see yourself in five years? And I don't have an answer for that because I literally, speaking about presence, I live today. So I don't. I know what I want. I know I want a house. I know I want financial stability. I know I want to be respected by my peers. I know I want to be on a show that I can. Be proud of all of the, the fucking fluffy miracle whippy bullshit that we would say as actors. But actually the true answer is I don't know. I just try to make the best today possible and then piggyback that with the best tomorrow. Um, and I, I have a, I have a, a bit of shame with that because I sometimes feel that people are like, well, if you don't have a plan, then <laughs> where are you going? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not in a corporate ladder. So I don't I'm not trying to be CFO of your company. I'm just trying to be a good human being, put bread on the table, take my girl out to nice dinners, not really want for too much and work. That's it. And if that's a day by day process, then that's how I'm gonna look at it. So I don't know what five years from now looks like. I could be dead when I walk out of here. That's how I also see like I could walk out of here, trip and die. So I'm not I'm not each day as it comes, man.
1: It, to me, that is kind of your future self talking to you. Cause like <laughs> I, I, I had a, I had a friend die when I was 21. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just beginning in my career and we were making a film together, a big show. We had a big deal and it was, uh, it was a big thing. And he got hit by a car and uh, oh, wow. just dead all of a sudden. And I got a call and they said, and it's like, what the fuck? Like he's dead. And he had just gotten his degree And he Mm -hmm. had just gotten into film school and we had just started our big project and we had gotten like cast and everything Mm -hmm. pretty much. And, and then I, I remember being like, shit, man, this could all end. So we got to live it. Like we just like, like, we can't wait. Like we can't wait. We have to live. But to me, yeah. To me, when I hear right. you say that, I'm like, that's the future self. Cause when it happened to me, I was like, that's my future self. Told me I can do it now. <laughs> Cause like, don't wait, Here, don't wait for me to do it. Like you do it. <laughs> here's, the
0: day, here's the day that it, here's the day that it happened for me. It was my first booking ever. So I'm, I'll never forget. I'm down on 71st and Osler where I used to live in South Bend, and I'm on my cell phone. My agent, well, my agent calls and I'm on my cell phone and I booked Smallville he goes, hey, you booked the role on Smallville. And I was like, yeah, what? And I stepped out into the street because I was so excited. I wasn't paying attention. And a car just went, ah, ah. I was like, ah. and my agent's like, what's up? I'm like, ah, oh, I almost got hit by a car. And he's like, what? I'm like, no, I'm literally three inches from a fucking like, station, whatever the fuck this is. It's like, I'm, I almost got hit by, he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll call you back. Boom. So to this day, when my agent calls me, I stop walking, always. I just like, whoop. Cause if this is the big one, I don't want to like step out of the traffic, but that's when I was like, that's how easy it is. Yeah. Literally you booked the job. Bye. And I was like, oh, okay, today, what's happening today? Well, I'm, what, what am I doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if you look too far ahead, you know, you miss all of the stuff that's down here and I need all this stuff when I get over there. Yeah there's probably information right here that's necessary to make me the better person that I'm going to be when I get over there. So, yeah.
1: But I I just have to say like as present as you are, it's not like you don't have vision. You clearly have vision because if you have the amount of integrity that you have clearly, obviously you've talked about Mm it, you know that your future self has to live into this present person. And that to me is your vision. So like, I just kind of want the audience to not take away like, Oh yeah, just be in the moment. Like, that's it. No, no, it's like be in the moment, but have integrity, which is your vision. And you might not know where that's going to lead you, but you have something you're, you're staying the course for.
0: Yeah. It's like a guided missile. It's headed somewhere. The the wings and the computer are making it, or it's like it's like a, it's like a real it's like a a train speeding down the track. You're the conductor. Your job is to keep the train at the right speed on the current the corners and the turn and the turns and the stuff to keep it from derailing itself. But it's moving. It's going where it's going. So you just got to make sure it gets there intact, all the pieces in place, and arrive safely. That's your job. We are the conductors of this engine. Life does not give a shit what your plan is. It doesn't care what your plan is. So what you need to do is make sure that each step forward is calculated and planned. So by the time you get to your de- destination, planned or guided, you're fully capable to deal with what happens in that moment. So yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not, I'm not free falling. I know what I want. I know where I'm headed. How I'm going to get there, I don't know. If, if and when it's going to happen, I don't know. But I know I'm going over there. Yeah. Where's over there? In that vicinity. Yeah. I'll be ready to deal. I'll be specific when I get over there. When I get into the Warner Brothers studio office, I know what I'm going to say. But I don't know that it'll be Warner Brothers. It might be HBO. I don't know. But I, sure. I'll know what I'm going to say when I get there. So. Yeah. All
2: right. Does anyone have missing. some some closing any closing comments or takeaways from from this thank
0: you for doing this man this is amazing i think um we need more of this i think conversation is dead because of these little devices we stick our faces into all the time i think covid has created a world fortunately unfortunately depending on how you look at it um where we are forced to speak to each other um in a very different way, um, isolation has sh- shown us what we don't need anymore. What we, what we don't, which is not, which is not mandatory in our lives. Who or what is, and and the fragility of life uh, and mortality is very present. So, um, conversation like this, I think, need to be had, and artists need to have a voice. So, I'm glad that you guys are providing one. So, figure
1: my, my final thought really is, I, um, I thought you brought some really awesome things and like my 17 year old self would have loved this conversation to hear this because you're just, your input on integrity, um, was something that like, I didn't really have when I was younger, a mentor, a person to tell me like, Hey, Brandon, like this thing inside you, this voice that's guiding you, you're right. And, and you've got to follow this. Um, and I did follow it but I followed it from a place of defiance because I was just like, I'm just not doing that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm going to do this and I'm going to try to like, listen to this thing, but I doubted it all the time. And I had all sorts of challenges, but I think like, um, your, your, uh, point of view has been so great because it's been like, have integrity and understand that your decisions you're making today, like they add up and they matter. And I mean, I felt like I could add to that, but you brought it in and it was such mm-hmm. a valuable thing for me. So like, if I was going to leave anybody with anything, I'd say like that dime in the bucket, but that was my mm-hmm. take on it. Not to say that was the point, but yeah, like, sure. that's like, you brought that in. And I thought, yeah, that's such a great thing for a person here, especially early on in their career, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're building their value and they might feel totally like they don't have any value right now, but like mm-hmm. this is all going to add up and everything you do today is all going to add up. And, and my, 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 uh, analogy was a dime in a bucket, but I say, yeah, like a dime in a bucket towards your integrity every day mm-hmm. just keep doing that and keep staying the course, which is also the philosophy of this show, which is way of the artists, you know, mm-hmm. stay that course, mm-hmm. that way of mm-hmm. your artistry, whatever that is for you. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the, that, like, the way you, you brought it into this conversation. To me, like I just think it's really important for people to hear, and that's the thing Mm. I'm going to walk away and really think about. Thank
3: you, thank you.
2: Yeah, and and yeah, I think uh, you know with this conversation, I'm going to go back. to, Like, really showed me this very powerful connection between our integrity and and our freedom and our sovereignty like there's such a strong relationship between those things you want freedom uphold your integrity and i'll yep. leave it at that so yeah thank you so much mark anthony it was thank awesome you guys for having you on now. here Absolutely. and well we'll um, we'll do this again
0: sometime do this again please it really rad thank you
2: thanks for listening to the show If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review,
1: or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.